0: salvation we was all setting out on the porch it being evening after dinner and all and everybody was sipping tea and telling stories there was me, of course, my sister Bonnie and her husband Cherish, and daddy and mama, and his daddy and mama, my granddaddy and mamma. Then there was my best friend, as sweet as little Miranda and her husband Joe. The sun was red behind the trees, and in the distance I could hear old John Walters that was Mr. Kennedy's black lab barking to raise the roof. Mama said, Why'd you tell them all about that time you found that old bum out by the fence? No, mama, I replied, my voice a lazy whisper. I flapped the fan daddy made me right up to my face. Sweat trickled down my neck. I don't want to tell it again. Everybody already done heard it before. Nonsense, girl, Miranda complained. You know we all love that story. You go ahead now and tell it. Well, rest of them people all started raising their voices and hollering for me to tell it so I don't see how I couldn't have said yes. And right then, it was the first time it hit me. I was going to have to tell this story till I was old and gray, sitting in a rocker like Mamaw does all day telling a story, telling a story. I took a deep breath and let out a weary sigh. All right, I moaned, kind of like I didn't want to, but deep down I was excited. I'll do it, but y'all go ahead and stop me any time, though. Must have heard this about a thousand times. Everybody just sort of mumbled along in agreement, staring at the shoes like they does every time, so I went ahead and started telling it. You see... I saw that old raggedy man first, not Jimmy Waltz, like he'll tell you even today if y'all ask. I seen that old raggedy man lying right there in a heap of shredded up old federal soldier clothes. He was curled up on the dead brown grass around the electric fence at the edge of the compound. It was a uh, summer of 56, 57? I can't remember if I was 10 or 11. Don't matter anyhow. Anyway, Mama was always telling me to look out for strangers when we was playing out by fence line. Especially around that time, because we had news of all them refugees coming from north. And by God himself, there was one right there, breathing right beneath my nose. Not fifteen feet from where me and Jimmy and all them other kids was playing ghost in the graveyard. He was laid up against the fence, so his clothes was pushing through the holes. That meant the electricity wasn't working, and somebody had to go and tell somebody about it. I stole a look over my shoulder at them other kids. Fat Maynard was running away from Jimmy, and Jimmy who was bigger than Maynard, caught up with him in about two steps and pushed old Maynard right down on his face in the dirt. keep my eyes on Jimmy. I reared back and kicked that old Raggedy man real hard through the fence, hurling my leg into it like I was kicking Jimmy himself. Fence shook and made a jingly noise, but old Raggedy, he didn't move or make a sound or do nothing. Dumb Jimmy was chasing the little kids around with his stick held over his head, and them kids were screaming like he'd bash them straight to hell. Miranda glanced over at me, frowning, so I turned around real quick and glared at the Raggedy Man again. I thought he might have been dead, so I kicked him harder, pretending his rear was dumb old Jimmy's face. Raggedy Man moaned and stirred. Then Jimmy called out, What you doing, girl? Oh, Lord. If you couldn't tell already, I hated Jimmy Waltz. He beat me up twice when I was littler, and he did it just because he was bigger and faster. But he sure was dumb. I mean, real dumb. One time, me and Miranda, we saw him tie his shoelaces together and fall down twice before he realized what he'd done. Jimmy and Maynard come on over to where I was standing, and I swear they all let up a gas like they'd seen Jesus thrown out of Savior Bay, a grimace on his face, rassling a shark. What is it? Dumb Jimmy asked. What you think it is, Jimmy? Fat little Maynard asked him. A cat? Jimmy shot him a look like he was going to beat him up, but Maynard wasn't afraid of Jimmy neither. Shut up, Maynard. Let's see. It don't look like no cat. I said shut up, and it ain't look like no hoop snake. I added. Jimmy just shot me a look, but he didn't say nothing. I'd like to say that he was afraid of me because I'd hit him or because I'd kicked him or beat him up once, but that wouldn't be the truth. Truth was, it was around that time I'd cured misses of the blisters and people had already started talking about me. Jimmy wasn't scared of me. He was scared of the witch. I bent over and picked up a stick and poked the raggedy man through the fence. What you doing? Jimmy snarled. She gonna wake that fool up, fool? Maynard answered for me. Then he picked up a rock and threw it at the fence. Jimmy started kicking the bum, and between the three of us, we all finally got the raggedy man to hollering and crying. Leave me be! Leave me be! He shouted. His voice was thick and rough, and we all backed away. The raggedy man rolled over, and his eyes was red and shot with pain, and I had to force myself not to run while he took us in. His face was all scrunched up and the way he grit his teeth reminded me of a dog caught in a trap. His left leg was all twisted up under him, broke right in two. Who are you? Maynard demanded. He even got closer to the fence. What you want here? That man propped up on his elbow best he could. Then he pulled that broke leg up from under him and set it out in front, screaming as he done it. He was weeping by the end. If I was you, I'd be gone, said Jimmy. And he was serious, more serious than I ever seen him. It was almost like he was afraid for the man. Legs broke. Raggedy Man growled. I ain't got nowheres but here. I'm gonna die here lest you young'uns go and get me some help. Ain't nobody gonna help you here, I told him. You best be on your way. Raggedy Man fixed me with a look, and he said very patiently, like I was deaf or stupid, Girl, I broke my leg. I'm in a horrible pain. Now when y'all go get your man before I climb that fence and give you a whopping. Jimmy's back was already ramrod straight. But now he puffed out his chest and his eyes set hard. Me and Miranda shared a glance, but Maynard, he seemed to relax a little. His eyes softened. You ain't know where you at, do you? Raggedy man didn't say nothing after that, just sat there thinking. After a while, he laid back down in the leaves. What are we going to do? Jimmy hissed at me. I know what I'm going to do, I told him. I'm going to run back and get Mama, and we're going to get some people out here. Now you're talking, little girl, Raggedy Man called out, still on his back. You go on and get your mama. Get me some people out here. You ain't telling your mama, Jimmy mumbled, get all credit. You ain't going to watch. Nuh-uh. I'm going to tell my mama. I'm going to get all credit. And then he was off, and that's when the race began. Remember the sun. Now, way up by fence line was all winding dirt roads and pine trees. Us kids had come past through the woods at certain spots for shortcuts, and me and Jimmy knew them all pretty good, but we ain't never run through them before, and now we knew why. Branches whipped our faces and hands with every step, and Jimmy and me was grunting with effort, crying out every time a branch switched across our cheeks. Two times Jimmy just ducked out of the way of a low, thick branch, and two times I got hit in the eye with pine needles. When we finally bust out on the ring road, we were so bloody and covered in bruises, you would have thought we'd been tangling with a pack of wild dogs. We was both tired out from the run, and we both bent over right then, chest heaving, agreeing to an unspoken truce so we could ease catch our breath. Finally, Jimmy says, which way you going? I stood up, my heart still beating hard, my lungs burning. I could see what he meant. To the right was ring road, circled around the ring about two miles, then brought you straight into town, right smack up to main gate. But that wasn't the only way in, because in front of us was the ring itself. Both of us knew all the old stories about the ring. How they was hants in there, old dead zombies from the battle of the ring, how they was quicksand and bugs the size of a dog with stingers that lance you right through. None of us kids ever dare cut no paths through the ring because of them old stories, even if we all knew it was the fastest way from a fence line into town. When Jimmy asked me which way I was going, he meant, are you going through the ring? And it wasn't no polite question, neither. He meant it as a dare, as a challenge. Well, I was young enough and stupid enough to be offended by it, and I was too proud to back down. So I drew myself up, took a deep breath, and said, You can take the long way around, you scrawny little redneck. I'm going through the ring. And I didn't even wait for his reply. I just bust on through the brush and straight in. At first, I was fine. I found one of them old pads, probably something the soldiers used in the battle. And even though it was weedy and grown over, it was there, and I started running down it. The air grew heavy and strong, and the trees blocked out the light of the sun. It felt like the middle of the night, even though I knew it was early in the day. I was running along pretty good, only a few scrapes and scratches here and there. The trees didn't grow close to the path, and they were too tall and mangled and gnarly anyways. Ain't a sound in the woods, but the thump, thump, thump of my feet hitting the ground. And I thought to myself, I'm going to cream Jimmy by a half hour at least course just when i was thinking that my shin hit a log hidden in the brush sending me straight out into the air for at least 10 feet at least that's how long it felt i hit an open patch of the path with a splat right on my chest and face smacking all my breath out of my mouth i skidded for another foot skidded on my face skidded forever the gravel and rocks and dirt ripping my lip open and blinding my eyes and i felt like it wouldn't stop until after a long long time i finally did I waited for the pain to hit, and when it did, it swelled up and over my face, pulsed in my chest and belly, and knotted up in my shin. I rolled over on my back, moaning in pain, barely able to breathe. My ribs felt like someone had hit them with a sledge, and my lungs was paralyzed. I struggled and struggled for breath, eyes bugging out until finally I was able to take a deep one. Ain't no feeling in the world like getting the wind knocked out of you. And that's when I heard the growling. I sucked in all the air I could and held it staring around the clearing with wide, wide eyes. The thing was behind me. I slowly turned my head back around, my breath coming in quick bursts. The growls increased in volume, and I stared down at the leg that hit the log. A bruise the size of a horse swelled up on my shin, and I wondered if I'd be able to run. All times Mama told me not to go into the ring echoed in my head, and through all that, I kept wondering where the ugly old monster come from in the first place. Then I remembered. Electricity in the fence was down, probably had been for a while. Nasty little devil probably dug underneath it and holed up in here, living off the birds and swamp frogs and lizards and such. I rose up off the ground as carefully as I could, and as I did, the thing's growling got even louder, gruffer, meaner. I leaned on my left leg and slowly turned around to face it, testing my right leg as I did. It was tender and painful, but I could put my weight on it. I'd have to run, even if I could not have to, if I wanted to live, that is. I tried not to look at the thing, all nasty fur and balls and clotted blood and raw skin. Its mouth was sharp teeth and drool. In its black eyes, I saw death. Then I heard its voice, clear as a bell in my mind. Don't try to run, little witch. You lame and you small, and I'm the serpent, the adversary, the liar, the lord of the flies. My eyes skittered over the path around me, looking for a weapon. There in the brush on the right, a fat tree branch about as long as my arm. I squatted down and picked it up, sucking in my breath at the pain in my right shin. It wasn't a tree branch, it was part of an old post. Oak, partially petrified, probably left over from the war. That's when the thing leapt at me, snapping its teeth. I stood, swung the post back, and knocked it across the snout with all my strength. It yelped and crashed into the brush. Instead of running like I shoulda, I waded into the weeds to finish it off. The thing lay on its side, panting and whining. Its eye rolled as I approached, and it bared its teeth and growled deep in its chest. I bashed the side of its head in. Take that, you stupid devil! I yelled. I ain't no lame witch! I'm of salvation, and you a dead demon! I raised the post over my head to bash the rest of it in, and that's when I heard more growls. I paused, and my eyes swiveled to the left and to the right. That post still held over my head and my shaking arms. The devil's cousins was all around me in the brush. One in front of me, two down the path to my right. I slowly stepped back onto the dirt. I'd regained my breath, but my leg was giving me more trouble than I thought. Every step was agony, and the center of the bruise pulsed every time my foot touched the ground. It was now or never. I spun and sprinted away. The beast lit up a yelp and gave chase. Blood pounded in my ears as I tore through the ring. The post slowed me down, but if I ditched it, I was dead for sure. One of the things nipped at my heel. Ha! I cried, swinging the post behind me. I felt it connect and heard the thing yelp, and I ran faster. Quick glance over my shoulder, only two left, one about two feet behind me, one further back. The one closer to me nipped at my heel again. I swung the post, but it ducked. Then it opened its jaws and clamped down on my calf. I cried out and fell to my knees. Soon as I did, the creature let go and lunged for my throat. I shoved the post up and into its jaws, heard a sick crack. It yelped, but its teeth were lodged in the wood, and it couldn't let go. It twisted its head back and forth and drooled and snarled, but I didn't let go. One more second, and the other monster would be on me, and it would chomp on my face and eyes, and it would tear out my throat. Then I heard shouts and a thud, and I heard the other beast cry out. I shoved the post in deeper, and it was whining. It whipped its head back and forth one last time, but I still held on. Then something pierced its side with a thud, and it screamed in pain. Then it sagged over to the left. A spear had stuck clear through it, and it was wiggling there in the air. Two more spears zipped in and spiked the monster to the ground. Its eyes glazed over, and then it stopped breathing. I got to my feet, shaking, and threw the post and the dead monster's head away from me with a disgusted grunt. "'Did your mama tell you not to go through the ring?' a familiar voice asked. I turned around, and there stood Miranda. Hands on her hips, head cocked, a crooked smile on her face. Next to her was little old Maynard, clapping the dust off his hands. Well, the whole porch just blew up with laughter and howling. Joe kissed Miranda on the cheek, and Daddy punched Joe in the arm, laughing. Don't you mess with that, and he chortled. Mama said, I always knew Miranda was a smart one of you, two, and that brought more laughs. Man, I tell you, Miranda said, we wasn't going to just let you face no devil by yourself. How'd you know she was in there? Joe asked, like he always done. Miranda shrugged. She smiled at me. Just figured. She wasn't gonna let old Jimmy Walsh beat her. And she was slower than him in a straight-up race. Hey, now! I laughed. It's true. Where'd you get them spears? Someone asked. Old Maynard found them, just sitting on the road like they was waiting for us. Paw whistled long and low. <whistles> hand to the Lord, hand to the Lord, he said. Well, we too old to find out now, I said. You gonna let me finish the rest of my story? Ain't nobody stopping you, Miranda said. When they got a look at me, Maynard whistled. You look like a hell. My smile was cracked and bleeding lips, a wall of white teeth. Miranda's jaw dropped at the curse. Maynard never really was one of mince men's words. I have to admit, old devil worked me over pretty good. Dress shredded in a dozen places, right leg all swole up and bleeding, left eye all swole up and bleeding face slashed and welted, my whole body covered in dirt and mud and little sticks sticking up out my kinky head. Well, Maynard went on, we saved your butt, don't stop now. Jimmy's probably about ten feet away from main gate. That was enough for me, I turned tail and ran. Don't worry about us, Miranda called after me, and I didn't either. Ten minutes later, I bust out on a ring road about 300 yards from main gate. Just when I did, I seen Jimmy turn around the corner about a quarter mile to my right. And that's when I smile, because I beat them. Shining down upon the bay Sending silvers of light Mayor Bram rang the noticing bell till it almost cracked in half. People come out of their homes and from all over the place, crawled out of the woods like ants, slunk down the street like spiders. Mama and me was standing on the platform facing everybody, and I was looking for Daddy, but he was fishing in the coast, so I knew it'd be a while. Meanwhile, Mayor Bram was talking before everybody was even there, and he was loud, too. More he talked, though, quieter everyone got, till it was still as the bay at dawn. Mayor Brand told everybody that there was others on the edge of the fence. Everyone's eyes flickered over me and I could feel this hate rolling off them. I just wanted to crawl away into a hole and cover up forever. Mayor started talking about when the people moved here after the war broke out between the Federals and the New States Confederacy. He talked about the Battle of Ringwall with his daddy and granddaddy and about the time they was up north and seen them people suffering from the blisters. And he talked about our rules and about what happened last time refugees tried to get in. But we have prevailed, he cried. We have survived against all odds. Preserved our lives, the lives of our children and our religion for almost a century of strife. All around us, they fight their wars. They exert their power, but not over us. Mayor Bram paused, looked out over the crowd, and his voice became hushed, almost pleading. Now, our families, our children, our homes, our peace have been threatened once again. He pointed out a man in a red flannel standing in the crowd. The man, who was listening intently, blushed and shuffled. You, John Gray, you lived in Helena not sixty years ago. What'd you see? John Gray didn't look up when he spoke, but his voice was clear and strong. i seen me some death and poverty i seen despair and lies. That's right, Mayor Bram said. That's right. And you there, Christine Thompson, your parents was from Old Capitol. What was it like there? It was like the end of the world, Mayor, Christine said. So my daddy used to tell me, folks dying off like flies. No food, no clothes, nothing at all. Anybody had anything that was for the soldiers. Graham strode up and down the platform, finger pointing at Christine Thompson like he pinned her to her spot. For the soldiers! Jabbed that finger at the sky. For the soldiers! Whole town was looking up at the mayor, eyes wide open, not blinking. They followed him while he paced up and down the platform. You know what needs to be done. It is our way! He stopped and dropped his chin to his chest, crossed his hands solemnly in front of him. I heard the wind rushing through the trees the gold squawking down by the beach. Finally, Bram raised his head and fixed the crowd with his steely eyes. As you all know, the harvest is going to be a small one this year, nods and murmurs from the crowd. The bay is not producing enough edible fish. More nods and acknowledgment, some angry cries. Mayor Bram stuck out his neck, bent over at the waist. Now why is that, I wonder? Now why is that? Everybody's eyes were cast down, staring at their shoes, pawing the dirt. Breeze picked up, mussing his hair. He didn't fix it. Mama gripped my shoulders, and I could hear her whispering a prayer. Mayor Bram stood up, scowling at everybody. I'll tell you why. Because it's been two years. Then he drew himself up, and his chest puffed out, and his chin squared and jutted, and he stomped on the platform. Two years, he cried. A soft shudder ran through the crowd, a murmur and a gasp, and Mayor Bram held up two fingers. Two years! Then he cast his cold eyes over the crowd, and he said in a low, dark rumble, Well, I'm here to tell you today that we're going to end that bad habit. About a half hour later, them men Mayor Bram sent out after old Raggedy come jogging back into town, holding him over their heads like he was some kind of untouchable thing. He was screaming because of his leg, I suppose, but that didn't slow them men down at all. They run right up to that little house behind the church, Sunday school house. Mayor Bram whispered in Mama's ear, and Mama took me back there to the side door. She opened it up and brought me into the stairwell, then dragged me down into the basement and into the classroom. Raggedy Man was tied down tight to one of them long desks we use for painting and crafts sometimes. I could see the pink stain from a jar of paint Molly LaValle spilled there Sunday before. Mama turned me around and held my face in her hands. You be good, girl, and don't be feared. This here for the good of all of us. Fear this is just foolishness. I nodded, and Mama spun on her heel and left me in the room. Door shut behind her with a click, and I heard her footsteps echo up the stairs, and then the door to the outside squeaked open and slammed shut, and then it was just me and that raggedy man. I peered at him real close. He was sweating. His face was bright red. His teeth was clamped down on his bottom lip. He didn't make no sound, just lay there breathing through his nose. I could hear the swish of the wind, and every now and then, he shifted on a table. Finally, he looked over at me, and with a face pinched tight in pain, he spoke. Little girl, cut me loose. I ain't saying nothing. I just stared at him. Little girl, look. Cut me loose. I won't come back. I swear I won't come back. I know who y'all is now. Just just cut me loose. I shook my head real slow, and the raggedy man, he just stared at me. He stared so long that I couldn't look at him no more, so I just looked at the floor. The swish of the wind outside, raggedy's clothes rubbing against the table. There was a pair of shears on teacher's desk. I strolled over and was just about to reach out for him when someone rapped on the window above. I jumped about ten feet. The windows were thin little rectangles set up near the ceiling. They let in just enough light to see by. I looked up, and there was dumb old Jimmy Waltz, bent over and pushing his nose against the glass. I waved at him and smiled real big to make him jealous, and he made a face, and all of a sudden he was jerked away. I seen two pairs of legs, Jimmy's and his daddy's, stalking away from the Sunday schoolhouse. I patted around a desk and up to the window, pulled out teacher's chair and stood on it, then stood up on my tiptoes to see what was going on outside. I seen the people around the bell and Father Harris reading from the book, his voice getting louder over the groans and cries of his flock. Some was already starting to shake. There was a clunk behind me and some shuffling and some low voices. I turned around and it was five men. One of them was Andy Rollins. They each held a wood bowl in one hand and a copy of the book in the other. Get down off that chair, girl, Mr. Rollins snarled, and I did. I just stood there and straightened my dress rest of them men gathered around old Raggedy, each coming to a halt five points around him, one at each arm and foot, and Andy Rollins at his head. Four of them started reading a passage from the book I ain't never heard before. Then Mr. Rollins pulled out a big, flat, worn leather pouch from behind him where it was stuffed down in his belt. He set it on teacher's desk. Then he opened it up. I saw all kinds of shining eyes flashing inside. Andy took a big old hunting knife out, and the other men put down their books and grabbed the Raggedy man's arms and feet. Hey! Raggedy man yelled. He started kicking with his good leg and shouting, and he kicked one of the men clean off him. Kept on struggling till Andy come up and grabbed him by his broke leg, shook it around a bit. Raggedy howled something fierce, and all the blood drained from his face, but he stopped struggling all at once. In a minute, he started to weep. Outside, I heard the noticing bell rattle softly, just over the thick moans of the people, but I couldn't look away from the raggedy man. Suddenly, he stared right at me, Tears running down his face, cutting pink patches through the dirt. Little girl. Andy put the knife against his neck and drew it across. Blood fanned out and flooded down like a river. Andy and the other man took up the bowls to catch what spilt over the edge. Old Raggedy gagged and gurgled, moaned and gasped, and the blood splashed into the bowls. And he started shaking and twitching. It got so bad, Andy had to hold him down by a line across his chest. After a while, he stopped and Annie got up and reached for the worn leather pouch. He turned and fixed me with a stare to freeze Mercury and thrust out a serrated knife size of a baby's arm. I heard it loud and clear. There was a lot more cutting to do. Hey, hey, thank you for tuning into the Mad Tales podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's chapter. If you cannot wait until next week to finish the story, you can always buy it in ebook and paperback form from Amazon.com, or you can buy it directly from me, both in ebook and in paperback, a signed paperback nonetheless, uh, from my website, www.jamesnoll.net. That's www.jamesnoll.net. And if you would love to support me on Patreon, I would love you to support me on Patreon. I'm offering all kinds of cool extras, including access to bonus material, uh, the eBooks released one week at a time, the chapter at a time, uh, customized short stories. And if I can build enough of a following, I want to film a live action version of "Make the Hive Great Again," one of my favorite chapters from the Hive. It's uh, at the end of the first season. It's the very last chapter of the of the first season. That would be an awesome thing to do. So, if you want to visit my Patreon page, it's www.patreon.com slash madtales. That would be fantastic, and I will see you guys next week.